Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back for the final time. My name is Alex Duvall. I'm the host of Royals Review Radio for at least the next 60 minutes. I'm joined, as always, tonight by Jeremy Greco. Jeremy this will unfortunately be the last time we meet on a Wednesday night um, for at least a foreseeable future. I have really appreciated you um, coming on here. We knew each other sparingly at best uh, before we started doing this, but it has been a pleasure of mine uh, getting to do this with you truly. So thank you for being my co-host for the last, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but I appreciate you. and I'm going to miss doing this. I, I'm going to miss doing it too. Those were, those were some real nice words you just said. I wish I had thought to bring some real nice words. So I will just give you ditto. I don't blame you. I blame the lockout. Yes, the lockout. It's, it, everything is wrong. We were just discussing off the air whether or not we should pretend like spring training has been going on like it should be right now. And just yep. seeing if anybody said anything. Yeah, Whit Merrifield sure looks good out there. I think he could win the gold glove at second base again. Maybe the Royals won't need to trade him after all. And um, Jeremy disagreed. He thinks we should still trade him. So Absolutely. Get rid of him. This is what he's, we should be He's a clubhouse about. cancer. <laughs> he's making everybody else look bad. Yes. I did, see, I did see a photo on Twitter of Bobby Witt Jr. on the field. Because the minor leaguers have still reported for spring training because they're under a whole different thing. So, yeah, I if you're worried that. about Bobby Wood Jr. playing, he's he's out there. He's doing his thing. They can't lock out Bobby Wood Jr. <laughs> there's no there's no stopping him. He is inevitable. And the thing is, like the the funny thing about it is, no matter how many jobs they cut, no matter how many people they lock out. They can't stop Bobby Witt Jr. from playing baseball on April 5th, which is the best part about the lockout. Major League Baseball and Rob Man Clown can do whatever they want, but they cannot prevent Bobby Witt Jr. from playing baseball. I wonder, could the end of Major League Baseball as we know it stop Bobby Witt Jr. from playing baseball? No, the Monarchs would pick him up. All right. I've got my Monarch shirt on tonight. I was nice ripping our ripping our Kansas other Kansas City baseball team while we're sitting here. Um, I saw a tweet, Jeremy. It's a thread from a guy named Jack. I want to read you Jack's thread. Read me Jack's thread, please. He is entering. <laughs> he is entering his seventh minor league season. He wants everybody to know this is not political, and these are just the facts of his career. He was drafted in 2016. He went to rookie ball. There were 12-hour bus rides overnight where the only thing they were given to eat was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Oh, they got peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Those lucky dogs. (laughs) $480 every two weeks. I got peanut 
more than that working at a grocery store. I'm not even lying to you right now. I get paid more than that teaching in Missouri. I worked as a grocery store cashier part-time and I made more money than that. Uh, no pay in the off season. In 2017, I lived in a two bedroom apartment with seven guys. It was unfurnished. We had air mattresses all over the floor. I've heard about stuff like this. I had a um, kid get drafted, went down to Arizona, three bedroom apartment with six roommates, two guys in each room, two guys in the living room, one guy in the kitchen. Uh, last year he this was in triple is the best place for sleeping. No, I think doubt under the table. It. I think if you could sleep underneath the kitchen table, that would be your spot. There was, I know I saw a photo of someone who was sleeping in a bathtub because they, they had filled up their apartment that much. That seems like a good deal because you can bathe and sleep in the same spot. And you, you got, you know, you got some privacy with a little bit of wall there of the tub, pull a curtain over your bed. There you go. What are these guys complaining about? Curtain, curtain uh, beds are like, you know, that's rich people stuff right there. (laughs) Get a fly or mosquito net on it. (laughs) <laughs> last year he started in triple a as a two-time minor league all-star he was set to make twelve thousand dollars for the entire season last year at triple a um he'll finally be a free agent for the first time since entering the league in 2016 next year um hang on just a second what was this hanging on point about Oh, in Major League Spring Training, um, he got $1,500 a week for meal money. 1500 Yeah, I didn't know they paid them in spring training. And I, they I do when they they're in the Major League Spring Training. They'll get a, they get a better per diem. I remember reading oh. about this, that they're I, dying to make Major League Spring Training because they, uh, they get a better per diem than if they do the Minor League Spring Training. I did not know that. Let's see. So I've heard this is not part of the thread, but I've heard stories of of minor leaguers buying bags of chicken and rice, like like the big Aldi or the big Costco bags, um, and, and eating the same spending. If they would just budget better, if they would just but if they would stop eating the avocado toast. <laughs> chicken and rice is a new avocado toast. I'm calling it. <laughs> um. Basically, you know, he he talks about like, you know, something to the extent of, you know, when you're working minor league baseball, you can't just leave on a weekend to go to a buddy's wedding. Right. So he's like, you have all these commitments. You can't leave. You're working a full time job and you're not getting paid for it. So I just want people to like realize like when minor leaguers complain about getting paid, it's not like teachers complaining about not getting paid. Like I teach the pay is not good but it's livable. Like I live in a, I, I, I like own my own home. Like, it's not like I write, like, you know, it's not good, but the minor leaguers, like the, the people we're talking about here are literally getting paid less than $10,000 a year to do their job. And this is what the CBA is about. Like, I hate listening to people who well, it's the billionaires and the millionaires. It's like, no, we're talking about billionaires and people making no money. Like literally just enough money to pay for whatever housing they have to play baseball that summer. I want to go ahead. I want to know, and no one can give me this answer, obviously, but I want to know how many superstars has baseball missed out on because guys couldn't afford 
to continue playing in the minor leagues. They had to retire and get a different job. How many? I, I guarantee you it's more than zero. I can tell you that much. And, and that's, that's a shame. Because Rob Manclown, I like that nickname, Rob Manclown's statements aside, running a Major League Baseball team is a very profitable enterprise. They could afford to pay these guys if they wanted to. Some teams do pay their minor leaguers, by my understanding. They do pay them a decent wage. Uh, most of them do not. And, and they could. They absolutely could. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even, they wouldn't even notice the money was missing, most likely. I mean, unless they're Scrooge McDuck diving into coins in their bank vault. I don't know. Uh, oh, it's, you know, it's a foot lower than it could have been. Ah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, like, they, this penny pinching is costing teams good players. It just is. We, I mean, there's the guys who retire because they can't afford it. There's the guys who say, I'd rather play a different sport that's going to pay me better. There's the guys who just don't even try because they don't, they don't think they can make it through the minor leagues. There's, there's just so much going on there. And it's just a shame. It's a big, big shame. And then we see, I don't know if you saw this, Alex, that the latest MLB proposal uh, offers, uh, or doesn't offer, uh, it, it asks for permission to reduce the number of minor league players each team can, can have associated with their club. They, yeah, they, they said it's yeah, the whole team that they it's currently 180 and they, they were talking about lowering it to something less than 150 possibly. So basically um, the way that works, anybody listening doesn't understand how this works. You have five teams stateside, most teams, you can have two teams in the Arizona league. So let's say you have four, you have low a high a double a triple a and two Arizona league teams if you have six teams stateside times 30 players a team, that's 180. And so by dropping that number to 150, you are almost guaranteeing that the Arizona League can't have 30 guys each or you're down to one team. Or let's say you only have five teams, that's 150 anyway. You still have guys on the IR. Like Brandon Marklin's a great example of this. I forgot I forgot Brandon Marklin was, was coming back this year. Um Brandon Marklin was a reliever. He was in low A, got a little time in high A, if I remember correctly, missed all the 2021 season due to an injury coming back. Like the Royals would have would have to have had cut him if they drop it down to 150. The way it is now at 180, they can put Brandon Marklin on the IR, put somebody else on a minor league roster, and play ball. This would essentially eliminate, in some ways, the ability to have an IR in the minor leagues. Not completely that's that's a little disingenuous to say you wouldn't be able to have an ir but it would eliminate how many guys you could keep on the ir is the way that difficult. i understand this working it's like and again jeremy we were talking about this on the royals farm report podcast the other night we're talking about guys that make a hundred like i'm sorry guys that make eight thousand dollars a year yeah like most of these guys getting cut probably make eight to ten thousand dollars a year. So you talk about even 30 a drop guys. in a, an MLB team's bucket. No, you're talking about you're talking about like half of the major of a major league minimum salary player. Three hundred thousand dollars most at most. For all of them. For all 30 of these guys, yeah. Three hundred thousand dollars total. 
Yeah. Most at, at maximum. That's it's insane. And uh, I don't know if you saw this. Um, Dayton Moore actually has a quote from back in 2020 that I just saw the other day uh, talking about the minor leagues and talking about these guys. You know, we all know that there are guys down there that they're never going to make the big leagues. They might not ever make it out of rookie ball. Um, and Dayton Moore thinks those guys are important. And if Dayton Moore thinks those guys are important, I'm going to listen. He's uh, as much problem, as many problems as I have with the way he's run the team. He, he's, he knows as much, he knows more than, about baseball than I will ever, he's forgotten more about baseball than I will ever know as much as I have a problem with some of his decision-making. So I, I read this quote and he basically says, these guys that you've never heard of, that you will never hear of, if all you do is follow baseball, uh, these guys, they never make it out of rookie ball, but they go home and they become high school coaches. They go home and they, they teach their love of the game to kids. And if those guys aren't going home to coach baseball, if they're just not even thinking about baseball because they couldn't even get to the rookie ball, you know, if they're not, if they, or even if they do want to go home and coach baseball and they don't have that rookie ball experience, they don't have that professional experience of, of more, uh, you know, more training, more techniques, uh, just more thought about the sport of baseball. That's less that they can pass on to kids and the less baseball that gets passed on to kids, the less kids a want to play baseball and, and B the less they will play baseball and that just hurts the sport in the long run. Yeah, objectively, and that's where we were talking last night. And I don't want to I don't want to repeat too much of last night's podcast, but we were talking last night about my only working theory is that they are like Major League Baseball is intentionally offering something so preposterous because they want made they want the players to come off of something else. And then as soon as the players come off of X, whatever X is, they'll drop this proposal because the rest of it doesn't make sense. And actually, I saw somebody tweet today. Um, said something like major league baseball is begging a private company to come in and create a different minor league system, basically for players 18 to 25 or something. It's like, yeah, because they don't want to pay the money themselves. And the only problem with this is it takes pressure off of them to pay these guys. It takes pressure off of them to compete because, oh, well, they came in and ran their own league. And now we're having a hard time getting these guys to major league baseball. It's like, Everything they're doing is, is about money, I think. But at the same time, it's like there's no way they actually think this is good for business. Like there's, there's no I, way that you can convince me that these guys think that well, it's this short-term game It's objectively is good for bad them. for business. I have a couple of more cynical theories uh, that I've been workshopping for uh, what I'm going to write this weekend for Royals Review. Um, I'm excited and for that. They, they may not be the most plausible, but they do fit the facts. Well, we're 77 days into the lockout. I am ready to strap my tinfoil hat on. All right. So the first theory is that the owners just do not care about the long-term health of the sport. They care about taking every dollar out of it that they can get right now. And, you know, they just kind of assume 
that baseball has been an America's sport for over a hundred years and it will continue to be that way. Um, that's one theory is that they just assume that baseball is not in any danger. And, and a lot of people assume that baseball is not in any danger. And I, and I get accused of being kind of a, kind of alarmist when I suggest that I think baseball is headed down a bad path. You know, I don't think it's going to end next year, but I think that we could see the end of it in our lifetimes if some of these decisions don't start aiming more for the long-term health of the sport. The other theory I have is that they know they can spend a lot less money, a lot less money to develop prospects in the Latin American countries. And I wonder if they don't want to just focus their uh, their their player development on the Latin American countries and kind of be like, well, Americans kind of outsourced. Americans make too much money. They ask for too much money, you know, all $280 every couple of weeks or whatever it was. Uh, so we can we can go to Latin America and they'll take a lot less money to play baseball for us. Uh, and potentially they're they're not concerned with what's happening in the domestic minor leagues because they know they can they're already getting a ton of talent from the Latin American countries. I can't remember what the percentage is, but it's higher than you probably think. And uh, not you, Alex, but the the listeners. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see that they're kind of just shifting in that direction because it's going to be cheaper. Hadn't thought about that. Um, I do know that like a DSL player only gets paid. Uh, I don't want to get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's like $3,000 for the summer. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if, like you said, I don't know how plausible that is. Um, I mean, that's a, again, that's like conspiracy theory level, but I don't have any evidence sitting in front of me to say that no that's stupid that's they're definitely not doing that well and the problem the problem is that some of these proposals they're sending out are so dumb yeah that allows us to come up with ridiculous theories because what the hell else could they be thinking about there's no way like i said there's no way they think these are good ideas so then what is the alternative and like you said you've got some cynical maybe some more sinister theories but i i at this point, you know, I'll, I'll push back. Maybe they're going to try to outsource everything. I don't know how well that holds up personally, but the the rest of it, I just like anything else you want to talk about, I'll, I'll listen to because I just I don't know what else the 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 owners could be doing. Like, I can't imagine, and this is probably a bad metaphor, but hear me out. All right. Um, let's say Tesla before Tesla was really big and what it is now. Elon Musk comes to me. Let's pretend I'm a billionaire. <laughs> Elon Musk comes to me and goes, hey, uh, Alex, I want you to give me $500 million. I'm going to go start doing some more Tesla stuff. I'm going to try to make you billions and billions. Like, all right, I, I like you, Elon. Here's, here's $500 million. Go do, and we'll talk later. And then parade around trying to get people to not buy Tesla cars. Mm. That makes no sense. Why would you pay all this money in an investment and then intentionally sabotage your inve own investment? That's the thing I don't get. Like you talk about trying to get as much money as I can now. I'm guessing John Sherman 
it would take him a while to recoup a billion dollars in revenue, like just straight profit from the Royals. Like maybe not as long as I think, but I don't think he's getting it in 10 years. Like I don't think he's going to make a hundred million dollars in revenue profit on the Royals this year. So let's say it takes more than 10 years. David Glass or yeah, David Glass sold the team to him for a billion. Like the 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 actual value in the team is the stock itself. It's the ability to sell the team later on, knowing you're going to get your money back. It's like and and make some money on it. It's like why are we intentionally sabotaging our own investments? Which is why I think my only working theory is that they are dangling an atom bomb over their heads, trying to get the players to agree to something else so that they can draw the atom bomb back and go ah okay fine you win, right? And then and then because. They've got that kind of leverage. The only leverage the players have in that regard in terms of like the nuclear warhead is to not play, to go on strike. But the owners then, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what the they answer They go on strike be. as long as they're being locked out. True. But you know what I mean. They can, they can <laughs> refuse to come back to the negotiating table and effectively strike against Major League Baseball. Yeah, Um I think the players want to play, uh, you know, of course I also thought that the owners wanted them to play. Uh, I thought that was the one thing that everyone could agree on that baseball is better when people are playing it. Uh, but then I look at, like you said, we look at these proposals. Um, so I just wanted to, to kind of highlight a couple things. Um, the, the increase that the MLB is talking about, for the for the first three years of a deal um they the mlb is offering an increase it's true but if you look at that increase uh it's less than inflation and it's less than the revenue that they've increased it's not even tracking with the revenue revenue is way out Well, the revenue is more than inflation uh but it's like in real dollars they would be making less value in, in in the short term or well not in the short term like immediately they would be making more but like it's not a raise that MLB is offering and MLB has also talked about increasing the um the luxury tax threshold but again not keeping up with revenues not really keeping up with uh, inflation, and they want to increase the penalties for breaking the 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 threshold. And the one thing the players do not want under any circumstances, this has been made clear for decades, the one thing they do not want is a salary cap. And now I've argued that that's a little short-sighted of them, that they should accept a salary cap in exchange for a salary floor and, and uh, you know, uh, actually tying it to the profits of baseball and making those public so that so that we can see how much the owners are making so that we can you know the players are actually getting a defined percentage but they don't want a cap at all so already the luxury tax thresholds existence is already a threat it is the biggest threat that they can imagine to what they want and mlb sitting here saying well we're going to make it more of a cap and less of a, a a threshold it's going to be a harder cap. That is, that's a non-starter, especially if they're unwilling to go 
it, it, to even approach what the players have been asking for as far as an increase in that threshold because they're not they're not really particularly close to reaching what the players are asking for that increase and and so it just kind of feels like MLB is sitting here saying oh so you don't like the current CBA how about we give you a worse one and that's that's just not any way to negotiate yeah i mean i I've got, I I don't have anything to add to that. I don't have anything to argue against it. I just, I don't know. I am, I am so perplexed by like, okay. I think the, I think the players are probably like, I think they're right. I think everything they're asking for is fair, but I also think in a negotiation in any arbitration, in any arbitration at all, right there, you can't just leaps and bounds ahead of where you were you got to make those baby steps. And I do think the players will have to come down from where they are. But the the owners just total lack of willingness to meet them anywhere in the middle. That's the and thing then, is you're 100% right. You're go- there's going to have to ultimately be a compromise. But right now the players are saying this is what we in a perfect world this is what we get. And the owners are saying yeah, we're going to give you less than what you have now. And we're going to sit here and trash you in the press and say how greedy you are. And, oh, you won't allow us to have a federal negotiator because you're not really serious and all this other baloney. And it's just, it boggles my mind because there's, it takes two to compromise. Absolutely. But we have no idea. Everyone wants to be like, well, both sides need to work harder. Okay, but at least the players are making like an offer that makes sense. Like, is it too high? Or is what they're asking for too much? Maybe, but at least it makes sense. What MLB is offering doesn't make sense. They're the ones in this scenario uh, where it's they're failing to meet the criteria of it takes two. MLB has got to at least I keep seeing this phrase negotiate in good faith. And I hate to use that phrase because I feel like it's kind of a cliche, but that's where they've got to start is the MLB is not negotiating in good faith. They're just, we're, we're MLB and you'll eventually cave. And so this is what we want and we're going to get our way. And honestly, that kind of fits uh, Rob Manfred's personality, right? He wants things his way, and if he doesn't get them exactly his way, that's a problem. Uh, look at Ken Rosenthal. Uh, he wrote something mildly critical of MLB in 2020 and basically lost his job because of it. That, that's insane to me. The, the, the firing of Ken Rosenthal made me madder than the lockout. Like, yeah. There's, so we're just seeing this pattern of behavior that they've now established of my way or the highway and, you know, Ken Rose all can't do anything about it, except, you know, go back to all his other <laughs> baseball gigs and uh, good for him. He deserves them, but uh, the players, they can choose not to play like you said, and they could choose to refuse to agree. Um, so I think that's what they have to do. And I think, 
whether they intend it to be or not. And I, I don't think the players necessarily have the long-term health of baseball in mind. I don't necessarily think that they should. They're not the stewards of baseball. They're the employees. Uh, the owners are the, you know, the presidents, the people who own it, the run it, whatever. They're the ones who should be concerned with the long-term health of the sport. But I think the players, what the players are asking for is actually more in line with the long-term health of the sport in this case, even though I don't think that's necessarily intentional on their part. It just boggles the mind what the owners are trying to do right now. I agree on all fronts. We will um, I'm throw in a little ad break right here. And on the other side, we will leave the CBA in the past. And for the final 30 minutes of our show, we're going to talk some nonsense about the, the possibility that we have a full major league season in 2022. Uh, stick around. Be right back. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, Jeremy. Yeah. Whit Merrifield stole, and I'm going to read it out for you. Yes, please. 34 bases, 45 bases, 20 bases, 12, which was like a 36 stolen base pace, mm-hmm. or no, 31, 31 stolen base pace in 2020. And then last year he stole 40 bases in a full 2021 season. I thought if his I set numbers the went down last year, so I'm glad you read those out because I was thinking the wrong thing. If I set the over under at 29 and a half stolen bases, Jeremy, would you take the over? Over. Over. You think he's getting to 30 for sure? Yeah, I Whit Merrifield takes more pride in stolen bases than anyone I can think of uh at at the current in the current MLB. Um, you know, it used to be this thing that guys did, and then you know, Sabermetrics said, well, that's not really that important, especially if you can't steal this certain percentage. And uh, Ned Yost at, at first, and now Mike Matheny seem to just kind of give that green light to guys to run whenever they think they can. And the Royals think that, uh, you know, that's a strategy that they like to use of putting pressure on the other team by running the bases hard and, and often. And uh, Whit Merrifield loves him some stolen bases. He thinks that's something he can provide value to the team since he doesn't have as much power as some of these other guys. Um, so if he's, if he's healthy, he is, he's going to steal, he's going to try and steal some bases. Um, even if he's slowed down, I, I expect him to steal 30, even if he has to deal with getting caught a bunch, which, you know, if he stole 40 last year, he's not slowing down yet. Uh, so it, it's a little bit early to say, oh, he's going to slow down. Uh, I'm not going to say that. So yeah, I, I definitely think he'll top 30. And the other thing is if Adalberto Mondesi, or Bobby Witt Jr. in the lineup and get a lot of stolen bases, 
we know that Whit Merrifield is very competitive and Whit Merrifield wants to lead the team in stolen bases. He wants to lead the league in stolen bases. He wants to lead the sport in stolen bases. Um, so if those guys are around and, and Mondesi can basically steal whenever he wants to, and Bobby Witt Jr. is supposed to have some pretty good speed too. Uh, so I, I think if he's got some competition, that'll push him even further. In 2018, Ryan O'Hearn hit 12 home runs in 44 games. In 2019, oh, he, hit four, he hit 14 home runs in 105 games. In 2020, he hit two home runs in 42 games. And in 2021, he hit nine home runs in 84 games. If I set the over-under at seven and a half, under. Ryan, under, Ryan O'Hearn go under or over seven and a half home runs this year? It's under. He, they just they can't they can't keep playing him they can't keep running him out there i don't know what they're doing offering him arbitration that that is the in a world where mlb is making the cba offers that they have made offering ryan o'hearn and i'm as big a ryan o'hearn apologist as you're gonna find uh offering ryan o'hearn arbitration this year was the most bizarre decision in baseball bar none that's it. That's the one. You can tell me that somebody signed Alcides Escobar for six years at $80 million, and I would say that's less bizarre than offering arbitration to Ryan O'Hearn after the last three seasons he's had. So I'm going to say they just can't play him. Um, and I feel like last year we saw his power really got sapped um, he tried to do some different things. He tried to play right field where he was a much better defender inexplicably in right field than he was at first base. Though I will actually argue first base is more complicated than you think it is. Uh, when I played uh, high school baseball and I played some first base because they're like, you're, you're a big guy. You got to play first base. I was bad at it. I was off. They very quickly decided, no, we're not going to do that. I actually ended up uh, playing. I, they put me in right field and then they moved me to second base and they thought my defense at second base was great. So th that's, that's just like for some people, uh, at least for me, first base does not make sense. And, and it doesn't matter what you do. Like, okay, sure. I don't have to go run anywhere, but I got to figure out like the footwork. The footwork is hard over at first base. Um, so don't, don't discount that, but yeah, I, he, he, when he moved to right field, he started changing some stuff up to try and strike out a little bit less and whatever he did caused him to have less power while he was at it. He was hitting a lot of singles, um, which yay, getting on base, but he still wasn't getting on base at anywhere near the clip he needed to, to justify a roster spot, much less an arbitration offer. Uh, so. I just, they can't do it. They can't keep running them out there. Um, Nick Prado's got to be almost ready, and you can't let Ryan O'Hearn block him either. Like, as as hard as it is would be to watch Carlos Santana block uh, Nick Prado, at least Carlos Santana has had a history, a long history of success. He's a veteran. Um, he's a switch hitter. And he had even some success at times last year. Um, you know, and he says he was hurt for the second half of the year when he was not playing well, which I have no reason to doubt him. So if, if he's healthy, maybe he can play well again. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. 
but Ryan O'Hearn absolutely cannot be blocking anyone. And they've got, not only do they have Nick Prado, but they got MJ Melendez needs somewhere to play. And they've got uh, Vinny Pasquantino or Pasquantino. I'm not sure how to pronounce that actually. Um, but he he's, should be looking for roster spot before too much longer too. So Ryan O'Hearn needs to, I, I love him. I, I've rooted for him since before he ever made the big leagues. I wanted him to succeed. It's not happening. It's, it's time for him to probably go find one of those high schools to coach at. <laughs> you know, maybe he can coach at college. I'm okay with that. Go coach for college. I don't care. That was good. That was well done. Um, in 2020, Nicky Lopez, he walked in 9.4% of his plate appearances. Ooh. Last year, he walked in 8.7%. I'm setting the bar at 8.99% over or under. I'm going to say under. You think his walks go down? I, if you force me to make a prediction, if you hold a gun to my head like you're doing right now, why are you doing that? Why are you holding a gun to my head? I would, I said I would answer the question. Jeez. Um, if you force me to make a prediction, I only think it makes sense for Nikki Lopez to come back down to earth a little bit. And I think part of that is going to end up being he takes less walks, takes fewer walks, um, especially uh, if they continue to bat him second early on in the year. Um, he's going to be batting ahead of the big boppers, Salvador Perez, especially. Uh, you're not going to want to walk him because Salvador Perez hits a home run off of you. That's two runs now instead of one. Uh, so, and, and he's, he's not going to punish you if you, you throw him, he's going to hit a single worst case scenario. And that's, that's not scarier than a walk. That's the same thing as a walk. So uh, that's, that's just, I don't see him walking a ton. Hopefully he can find a way to keep putting the ball where they ain't. Uh, I am rooting for Nikki Lopez all the way. I, I, some people have suggested that we should feel bad for suggest for saying that Nikki Lopez was not good at baseball before this year, this last year, but, uh, you know, he wasn't, so I don't feel bad, but I, I always, as I've said before, I always root for these underdogs and Nikki Lopez has definitely been an underdog, uh, in his time in Kansas city. So I, I hope he finds all the success but I do not expect that walk rate to, to stay as high as it has been. In 2019, Hunter Dozier hit 26 home runs. Woo! Last year in 2021, he hit 16 home runs despite missing some time on the IL and having, um, uh, what was the thumb injury? Mm-hmm. I'm setting the over under for Hunter Dozier at 19 and a half home runs over or under. Gosh, that's a tough over under. It's a good pick. Uh, Cause that's, oh man, I, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say he does it. I'm going to say that uh, the, the Royals give him another chance. I'm going to say he stays healthy this year. I'm going to say they don't play him with the injured thumb, the injured wrist, whatever it was, uh, you know, just senselessly. And uh, I'm going to say he hits. 21 home runs. <laughs> Do you think it's a full-blown offensive rebound or just adequate? Uh, you know what? Let's let's be bold. Let's go bold. He's going to have a full-blown 
offensive rebound. He's going to look like the Hunter Dozier of 2020. We're all going to be cursing ourselves or at least everyone who doubted him last year. I didn't really doubt him last year. I was like, this, what is, this is not right. This is, he'll come out of it any day now, and he never did. And that made me look stupid. But now I'm going to look really smart by saying he's going to fully rebound this year. He's going to be amazing. He's going to carry, put this team on his back, and he's going to carry them. Even Salvador Perez he'll put on his back. It's going to be amazing. You're going to want to see it. Okay. Andrew Benintendi. By July 1st, does he – you have three options here. Okay. Does he, A, still play for the Royals under his current contract? Is he, B, playing for another team? Or is he, C, playing for the Royals under an extension? If they were going to do an extension, I think they would have done it already. So well, I'm going to say I mean, he's still playing. been locked out for the last two and a half months but they had time to do it before the lockout. Everybody else found time to sign all kinds of superstar free agents. Um, I'm going to say he's on his original contract does not mean he won't be on the team in 2023. Uh, famously, they let Alex Gordon get all the way to free agency after 2014 and then gave him the biggest deal they'd ever given anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he will still be on his current deal uh, but I would not count him out for the 2023 Royals. And there's no but, way they trade him. No, no way. You don't think so? No. You said that, they, and I just agreed with you. And Even though I don't really agree with you, I, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I was just – I was looking at Michael A. Taylor's stats for the next question. I was like, wait a minute. What? I think – Andrew Benintendi is one of those guys. He is one of Dayton Moore's guys, one of Mike Matheny's guys. They don't trade their guys. They just don't. They sometimes they give them, you know, arbitration offers that make no sense. But well, they if you don't have hunting them. land in Kansas City, you can get arbitration too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael A. Taylor last year hit 12 home runs and had a weighted runs created plus of 77, which is right around his career average. If I set the over-under at eight and a half home runs and a weighted runs created plus of 75, you got to take the over or under for both. That's not fair. Um, because I don't think he's going to hit that many home runs, but it's because I don't think he's going to start the entire year. Uh, but he could still get better than the uh, the WRC. All right, I guess I'll go over because it's probably wishful thinking to think that he won't start every game. Um, but I kind of have this sense that he'll play a good chunk of the year, and then if the Royals are doing well, they'll start maneuvering for 2023. This year, this is 2022, right? I haven't screwed that up. Okay, yeah. So they'll start uh, maneuvering for 2023 and actually start in center field for an actually competitive team. So that's just kind of my my gut feeling on that one. Okay. But if they aren't looking competitive or they can't find any other options, then he can play the whole year and he'll hit more than eight home runs 
And, you know, 77 WRC plus is not great, but he could do it. I believe in him. I'm glad you believe in him. Um, there are 100. You got to believe. Is that when, when was that the Royal slogan should be always the slogan forever. You got to believe. Juntos podemos. <laughs> um, there's 162 games in a major league season. Multiply yep. that by two and you get 324. Yep, that's 324 games in two seasons. Over or under 324 and a half total games played by Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez in 2022. I'm gonna go that would be under. a full 162 for Bobby Witt Jr. and 81 games for Nick Prado and 82 for Melendez or vice versa. I'm going to go with the under. I... Uh... First of all, I don't think Bobby Witt's going to get 162. I think they're going to give him some days off. Um, at least 10, I would think. Uh, and then uh, Prado and Melendez, I don't think I, I get the feeling they may not break the the break spring training with the club. So, you know, that puts a dent Let's in there. Let's do this. Let's do this. 300.5. 300.5? Okay, that one I would do the over on because I do think that I think Bobby Witt's going to play the majority of the games this year. He's going to play at least 140, I would bet. Um, and then put the other two around 80 each or some combination thereof, maybe like 100 for one and 60 for another. I could see that. I'm conflicted. I think Nick Prado gets... 70 i think melendez will get somewhere between 80 and 90 and i think bobby witt jr gets 130 to 140 so i'm with you i think it's under 324 and a half for sure but i wouldn't be surprised if it was over 300 and a half like you're really starting to split hairs there um mm -hmm. i know those numbers aren't that far apart for three players but you're really getting close to splitting hairs um around that ballpark so um i'm gonna go with the over i really think they let the kids play this year like i really believe that um I'm excited. It's the hope every year. And if then you, they sign Lucas Duda again. <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> You've got to extend one, trade oh one, and play one. So I won't do the cut one because there's no there's no sense in all that. You got to extend one, play one on their current contract, and you got to trade one. All right. Let's go. Salvador Perez. No, yep. he already got he just got an extension. Never mind. I was going to say, not extending him. All right, good. That's easy. <laughs> so let's do um, let's do this. Let's do Adalberto Mondesi. All right. Andrew Benintendi. Sure. And Brad Keller. All right. Um, if I was in charge, this is not a prediction of what I think would happen or will happen, but if I was in charge, I would extend Keller. I would... Play Mondesi on his current contract, and I would trade Benintendi. Keller has shown too much, and its starting pitchers are too uh, too valuable. And even even as loaded as the Royals are, you're muted. By the way, I see you keep trying to talk, but you're muted. Uh, I was saying he, no. That's correct. That is the correct opinion. I think. 
yeah, uh, even with a glut of starting pitchers supposedly as their prospects, Brad Keller has done it. And he even rebounded from his struggles last year, at least to a degree. So you know that those aren't permanent and that he can recover if he struggles again. Like he's he's shown he could do it. So um, he's definitely a guy you want to keep around. And worst case scenario, you move him to the bullpen. He's had success there before as well. Uh, there's no reason he couldn't do it again. So I definitely want to keep him around. Um, I Trading modesty right now makes no sense. We talked about this before. He, he is not ever going to have less value than he does right now. So you might as well play him and see if he finds more value. See if you, I would almost want to extend Mondesi and Keller just because again, his value is never going to be higher or never going to be lower. Might as well extend him now. See what you can get. See, see if he could finally figure it out. Um, if not, you've got a fast, good defender that you can, uh, you can do some pinch running and move some defensive pieces around late in the game. Uh, you know, whatever. So if I can't trade Mondesi, then I have to trade Benintendi. And I have no idea what you get for Benintendi if you trade him right now. Uh, it's not going to be much, but at least you're not giving up on the potential that you're giving up if you trade Mondesi. I agree. I think that's the right call. Let's do this. Um, I'm out of hypotheticals, man. I'm <laughs> The lockout's killing me. It is, it is killing all of us. Here you go. Over, under, 153.5 games played this year. I'm still over. I agree. I, I still think that if they have to, to cut some days off, if they have to do scheduled double headers, uh, even the you know, scheduled seven-inning double headers, if they, have to, if they have to play late into the year, I think that they're going to get 162 games in. First of all, that's the most profitable way to do things. They know the popular consensus is that if they don't play 162, it is a failure of the sport in general. Like the players would take some of that heat too, but um, the, the sport of baseball suffered when they lost games in 1994. And I don't think it's going to be because it, it's almost kind of the players took the heat for that one. Cause that was a strike, but kind of like people are still blaming the players for the lockout, even though that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter who they're blaming. If baseball loses games, people are going to be upset and they'll lose fans. Um, I don't know how many, I think it's dumb to quit watching baseball because, Oh no, they only played 150 games this year because of a labor dispute. Like it's not the end of the world y'all. But at the same time, I think MLB will want to avoid that uh, and, and do everything they can to present this face of, yeah, everything's fine here. Everything's good. Keep watching. Keep giving us all your money. If you could shave your beard right now to end the lockout, would you do it? Yeah. I'm talking like with a razor, like all the way gone. Yeah, I'd totally do it. Would you do it with your head too? shave your head? Sure. Why not? Let's get this lockout over with. Hair grows back. It does. It, I've shaved my beard. I don't know how many times I've shaved my beard. I don't, I hate my face without my beard. I'd rather shave my head than shave my beard. But eyebrows? Back. I, let's, I'll do it. I don't care. I don't leave the house anyway. You got to rock the handlebars though. You got to <laughs> leave them. You got to shave your mustache, but keep the handlebars. That's it. It's all you're allowed to have. <laughs> just, just the strips on the side of my, 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's that's a that's a tough one. Jeez. Uh sure, but I'd do it. I I'd do it, you know. I and in part I do it because I feel like there's gotta be a way to monetize that somehow, right? Like oh, yeah. I shaved my beard to make baseball come back. Give me money. Somebody would give me money for that, right? And then, I would give you, you know, money for that. There, maybe I can maybe I could do a GoFundMe and and get maybe I could get some of that uh, millions of dollars that they they were gonna give to the teachers. I thought you were gonna uh, say if, the truckers. I was like, oh god, are we going there? <laughs> not to the teachers. You know, everyone always talks about play, baseball players make too much money, and the teachers don't make enough. And it's like, okay, so if we paid the baseball players less with the teachers make more i'm down i am down <laughs> but i'm gonna take that money i'm gonna shave my beard and i'm gonna take your teacher money and i'm gonna retire mm. see if they ever start paying me a whole bunch of money i'm getting the big chain and <laughs> i'm i'm playing walk-up songs every time i enter my classroom absolutely better tight end doing that now do what i don't know why you're not playing walk-up music every time you walk in the classroom now I kind of do. Today I had to show the kids um, David Hasselhoff playing on the Berlin Wall in 1989. Oh and then gosh. I showed them the Metallica concert in Moscow in 1991. They got a kick out of that. And I was sitting there jamming along with Metallica playing Enter Sandman to open up this concert in front of supposedly 10 million people showed up to this concert in Berlin, or I'm sorry, in Moscow when the Soviet Union fell. I don't know if I buy that it was 10 million people. But enter Sandman in front of 10 million people is pretty cool. Yeah. Nothing, nothing will ever be as amazing to me as David Hasselhoff. I've been looking for freedom. He is. Okay. So I grew up watching Knight Rider and Baywatch. <laughs> David Hasselhoff was like the actor of my childhood. And my mom my had a thing for him. He was your generation's Bob Saget. I guess. My mom had a thing for him. She was like those long legs. And he had a talking car. So I, he was my hero too. And then like I grew up and find out that this is, he's like a major superstar musician in Germany. No one in the United States wants anything to do with his music. But in Germany, he is a big deal. Like, you do not understand. He is like their Taylor Swift. I don't know. It's crazy. And I watched the music video. pulling up his video, Dancing on the Berlin Wall. Have you seen his music video for Jump in My Car? No. I found this music video one summer when I was in college. And it's wild. I, I dare... I dare you and I dare anyone listening to this podcast look up David Hasselhoff jump in my car watch that music video and do not laugh do not laugh can you hear David Hasselhoff singing right now I cannot hear him oh you can't hear him I can I can almost like every once in a while when it gets really loud I can hear like there's a noise but I can't hear him my computer wasn't letting me play it without doing my microphone I'm afraid if I do that I'm gonna lose it forever but um better tight end tony gonzalez or travis kelsey travis kelsey tony gonzalez walked so that travis kelsey could run running tony g will always have a a place in my heart Uh, my dad his name is tony and my last name starts with g so he was also tony g 
Um, so Tony G will always have a place in my heart. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, that is uh, obviously my dad will also have a, a better place in my heart. I didn't, I don't know. I suddenly <laughs> need to specify that. Uh, but Travis Kelsey is just, he's unreal. He, Tony Gonzalez wishes he could run routes like Travis Kelsey. And honestly, Travis Kelsey's a better blocker too. And the tr- Tony Gonzalez had some athleticism and he had a big body and he used them well. And Travis, you know, he played basketball. I, you know, I'd heard that somewhere. And I remember when that was like a big deal that like he'd played basketball and I feel like all the football players have played basketball now. Like if you're a football player and you didn't play basketball, there's something wrong with you. Um, I remember Dante Culpepper. No, not Dante Culpepper. Oh, Peppers. What was his first name? Julius. Julius Peppers. He played for UNC. And my grandma is a huge Tar Heels fan. Um, man, we're off on a real tangent now. Uh, what all about? But he played basketball and football. And I just thought that was so cool. And I watched him play in the final four uh, for UNC one year. And then later on, I watched him play defensive end for the Carolina Panthers. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And he was one of those, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I definitely have players that I follow not on the team that just like they spark something in me. And, and Julius Peppers was one of those guys. Like if I got mad, he was on my team. Um, and, and so, yeah, basketball and football, a natural combination. <laughs> I don't know if it was Madden like, Madden like 05 or 06 where he was a 99 overall. But it was like if you did a fantasy draft in the franchise mode, you could still get him with like the fifth or sixth overall pick. Mm-hmm. So if you were like me and restarted your franchise every time you didn't get a top 10 pick or so, you could still draft him sixth or seventh overall with the 99 overall. So he was always on my team yeah. because he was like the, he was the, the best guy left and I always drafted him and – we would wreak havoc on the defensive end of the football together. You know, the other guy who was always on my team when I played Madden did a fantasy draft. Michael Mike Vrabel. No, Mike Vrabel. Oh, I don't know. He was. So the thing is that this was before he was a chief. This was way before he was a coach of the Titans and promising to, to castrate himself for a Super Bowl. (laughs) Uh, But he was just like, this really, He's like a 57 in the in a, in the Madden I had. I don't remember what year it was. I want to say it was 2003. So he was like a 57. He was not ranked well. He was not a highly skilled linebacker, but he always made plays for me. And so I always was like, I draft him at the end of the draft. Like no one else wants Mike Vrabel. I'm going to take him. And then the Chiefs traded for him when they got Matt Castle. And I was just like, oh, oh it's like my dreams are coming true. Is it a sick irony that it was Bernard Pollard who, I don't know if it was a dirty hit on Tom Brady, semi-dirty hit on Tom Brady, tears his ACL, and then we get stuck with this backup who wasn't that good. <laughs> like, is that is that was that like God playing tricks on the team? karma. Yeah. Little, He's little like, karma. hang on. He's like, I got a guy for you. I got to I gotta grow him out in Texas, and I'll bring him <laughs> to you. But, like, he's, he's coming just – just hang on, just relax. He's coming. You just got to deal with Tyler Palco first. It's like, if you want Patrick Mahomes, you got to deal with Tyler Palco. 
I had to show my yeah. high school kids videos of Tyler Palco the other day. Remember the Hail you Mary? You had to. You had the, to. Well, Somebody... they were complaining about the Bengals loss. And I was like, you guys don't understand. And so I showed them a video of Tyler Palco throwing a Hail Mary from the 50-yard line and it landing on the five. <laughs> oh, gosh. It you was know, like most... it was so short of the end zone. I was like. <laughs> the most frustrating part of that loss to the Bengals to me isn't the loss like you can't go to the super bowl every year um they'll be the and they're already favored to go back again next year so like it's not like i'm sitting here ready for another playoff drought uh but the worst part is that everyone is going on and on and on about how joe burrow is the best quarterback in the nfl right now and i'm just like first of all no second of all if it ain't patrick mahomes I got at least three other guys that I'm going to put up here before Joe Burrow. Uh, I just, the, the way people talk about quarterbacks in the NFL makes as little sense as offering Ryan O'Hearn an arbitration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to bring that up one more time. I had to, it was right there. And with that, we may be wrapping up the Royals review radio podcast. (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna miss doing this with you i'm gonna miss a lot of well. fun i'm not gonna miss talking about ryan o'hearn are you not no don't i i will call you and i will i will just say ryan o'hearn and i'll hang up you know i've don't lost worry. a bet that essentially i can't remember what it was exactly but i bet oh damn it who did i bet josh or seth or somebody that i would sit in the diamond club shirtless if both ryan o'hearn and cal eldred were on the opening day roster <laughs> and it looked in I'm trouble like, um you know i don't know that anybody wants to see that so i'm probably gonna find a new way to pay that bet off but i didn't think that was possible last fall and now i'm just yeah. like i'm I don't, still i don't want to so- watch early on because i don't want to see that I'm I'm still kind of surprised Cal Eldred is still around. I shouldn't be, but I am. You know, in Cuba, when I was there, I was there um, right before Trump got elected, maybe the year before. I don't know. I was in college still. Um, in so Cuba, if you go into a bar in Cuba, when the baseball games are on, they like when Kendris Morales is up for the Royals, whatever Cuban player they black out the channel like they won't show huh. you cuban players playing in america it's it's obviously messed up but i'm thinking about adopting that for ryan o'hearn <laughs> like every I mean, time i'm watching really a royals game if ryan o'hearn comes to the play i'm changing the channel for the next minute and a half two minutes can't blame you and anytime cal eldred comes out to the mound i'm changing the channel can't can't blame you <laughs> That is twice in the last two nights where I went to, I've got allergies or a cold or I'm still getting over COVID. I don't know. I've went to take a deep breath through my nose, try to clear some airways. And I've missed the mute button before I did it. <laughs> like I tried to hit the mute button so I could take a breath. Buttons, they're sneaky. And I just whiffed and then took a great big nasty breath into the microphone. So if for some reason you're still listening to this, A, get some help. B, <laughs> I apologize for that. I can't. If you're imagine. still listening to this. I'm just gonna say I appreciate you. I do too. I appreciate. I, I, appreciate I put listening. a lot of of oxygen and carbon dioxide into the words that I've spoken tonight. 
and I appreciate you, uh, you know, just accepting that. Our overlord Vox Media appreciate that too. That's Vox with a V. <laughs> All right. Well, I have no idea what to tell you about the Royals Review Radio podcast. I'm sure Max is looking for someone to take it over. Um, I appreciate everybody at SB Nation and Royals Review for letting me do this. I appreciate you, Jeremy, for co-hosting this show with me. I have no idea what is left. Um, For anybody who's wondering, I'm going to be spending a lot more time on the Royals Farm Report podcast as we transition into a new era of the Royals Farm Report podcast. So follow us at Royals Farm on Twitter. Keep up. We will be doing more podcasts. It'll be a couple weeks. There will be more Royals Farm Report podcasts. It's going to be a little bit. So there will be more of those. You will still be able to hear these golden pipes on your Apple Podcasts slash Spotify slash YouTube here coming up uh, pretty soon. So there'll be announcement about that later on. I've got a face for radio, so I'm not sure how I feel about the whole video podcast thing, but whatever. Uh, follow. I'm at Royals Farm. Jeremy is over there at Hakaius. That's H-O-K-I-U-S. Uh, Jeremy, for the final time, thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Ditto. We'll see you guys uh, never. Thanks for listening.